Do you feel controlled, belittled or isolated by a partner or family member? This is domestic abuse and it is never your fault. Help is always available and you are not alone. You do not deserve abuse. You deserve support. If you are experiencing domestic abuse, ask for Annie in pharmacies, showing the Ask for Annie logo to get immediate help to call the police or support services. For free helpline support and advice, visit gov.uk forward slash domestic hyphen abuse. Coming up on this episode of the Advice, Advice Podcast, Podcast, I'm joined by Patricia Walton to discuss domestic abuse and highlight a fantastic initiative called Ask for Annie, which helps victims seek help from domestic abuse. We're also discussing England not winning the Euros, but we are celebrating the England football team for its diversity and for making a lot of non-white English people really believe and be proud to wear the St. George's flag and be proud of our team. We're celebrating our team. We need to. This week's pick of the week is a Netflix show, which you guys all need to watch called The Serpent. And yeah, it's, I also explain where the hell I've been for the last month or so. So whatever you're doing, you know, you're probably nursing a hangover from celebrating and screaming. You can hear my voice is croaky. Just put the volume up, get comfortable, and let's get right into this episode of the Ads Vice podcast. Let's go. They call you the millennials. The burnout generation. Millennials have it too easy. The stress caused by anxiety, work ethic, and even childhood. Millennials. 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 Blame it on the millennials. You're now listening to the Ads Vice podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Ads Vice podcast. For those of you who don't know, because I've been away for a little while, the Ads Vice podcast exists to discuss the stuff that doesn't get discussed enough. So that's stuff that people like me and you go through all the time. And a lot of the time we feel as if we are by ourselves going through it. But this podcast is here to remind you that is not the case. So this is what the Advice podcast is all about. For those who are returning after a long hiatus or it's your first time listening, welcome, welcome, welcome. Now, for those who, this isn't your first time on the Advice Rodeo, so to speak, you've been following the journey, you know, maybe even from 2016 when Advice started, you would have noticed that, you know, over the years, the podcast has been consistent. I call it consistently inconsistent and that's to be fair it's I'd like to make excuses but it it is what it is this most recent absence for those of you who are wondering and have just been in the lurk or the dark for for however long a number of factors are kind of behind it for one long-term you know co-founder and partner in Advice and my co-host and my dear friend and sister Benita actually decided that she had to make a really tough decision and leave the podcast and as you can imagine that was quite hard to recover from in the sense that I love Benita to bits and I and I I urged her to do what was right for her but at the same time doing something with someone for so long and kind of having quite like it caught me off guard in terms of when it was announced because she, we literally spoke about it before we started recording. So it was very, like I found out pretty much the same times 
you guys found out so that caught me off guard and on top of that I really haven't been right haven't been right personally emotionally mentally I've been in therapy for uh, over a month a couple of months or so just to kind of work through some issues that need to be worked through and actually on the next episode of the Advice podcast I'm going to talk about therapy in a little bit more detail and the reasons why I recommend it for anyone and ultimately my creative juices were just not flowing my creativity has been on low it's been it's been near empty and that's obviously affected the podcast but I'm here to tell you there's good news the podcast has returned and it will be returning regularly it's going to be a solo podcast going forward and I know for those of you who love my voice are thinking wow I'm gonna have all that time just to hear you I need to kind of burst your bubble a little bit it won't be just me I'm gonna make sure I have regular guests and it's gonna be new guests it's gonna be friends it's gonna be people who are specialized in different areas so you're still gonna hear this handsome chocolate hunky voice that I'm playing but you're also going to get regular and recurring guests and hosts other other hosts to just come on a on a, on a show by show basis so that is what's happening with the podcast we were doing really well and it was a weekly podcast before you know the most recent iteration of the podcast was weekly but I think just due to me still finding my feet and it's myself and all the reasons that I've just mentioned I think anything more than bi-weekly or to promise you at least by anything more than bi-weekly would be unrealistic irresponsible and just a commitment that I wouldn't want to break and I'm not sure I could keep at the moment so going forward the podcast will probably be once every two weeks and like I said it's gonna be the same focus on discussing topics don't get discussed enough new segments new guests a lot of stuff will change but all the bits that you guys hopefully love and enjoy will remain the same so enough about that Let's get into what we're talking about on this episode of the Asvice podcast. So I've got a special guest to joining us, joining me. <laughs> I'm used to saying us, joining me very soon to discuss a very important campaign. Now, for those of you who, well, everyone knows last night, and you can probably hear it in my voice, was the Euros final. It was the Euros final and our guys got so close we got so 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 close but we unfortunately didn't do it we couldn't do it you know Italy's penalty takers were better than ours we you you were there I don't have to kind of remind you but I'm extremely proud and we're still going to celebrate the England team um going forward in a little bit because yeah they deserve to be celebrated but my guest Patricia Wharton is an an advocate in domestic abuse and she's actually here to highlight a brilliant new initiative called Ask for Annie that helps victims seek help from domestic abuse. Now, the London School of Economics, LSE, posted a blog that referenced a 2014 study which found that reported cases of intimate partner violence, intimate partner violence rather, increased by 38% when England lost and by 26% when they won or drew in the tournament. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to imagine all of the kind of anguish and anxiety of England getting as far as, as we did for the first time since 66 to then not win, like what that meant for partners of people who have domestic abuse issues or suffer domestic abuse. So I think this is a really poignant time to discuss that um, 
topic to discuss, you know, domestic abuse. So without further ado, let's jump right into that topic. And after that, we will then talk about what we're celebrating as well as my pick of the week. Let's go. Advice Podcast. Okay, so today we are discussing the Ask for Any Domestic Abuse code word scheme that stands for Action Needed Immediately. But also, phonetically, it sounds like the name Annie. Anyone who is experiencing domestic abuse and needs immediate help can ask for Annie in participating pharmacies and retailers who will have the Ask for Annie icon posters up in store. Joining me to discuss this very important topic is Patricia Walton. Patricia has worked in the field of domestic abuse since 2004 as a domestic abuse advocate with Women's Refuge and as a trainer in domestic abuse awareness. Patricia also presents on community radio and online. See, Patricia, that's my little bio for you, but please do yourself more justice and introduce yourself. So, Addy, thank you uh, for inviting me to your podcast. So, thank you. Um, yes, I am Patricia Walton. Uh, you rightly said that I do radio and TV. When I'm on the radio, I'm affectionately known as DJ Blaze. Um, so <laughs> that's, that. a little bit, that's a little bit of an addition for you. So it's DJ Blaze and I'm on the radio uh, for the Let's Talk show. And my TV show is simply called Patricia Talks. And yes, I have been working in the field of domestic violence since 2004 um, as an advocate and also as a trainer, training professionals in the area of domestic violence or domestic abuse awareness and also providing advocacy for um, for women experiencing or have experienced uh, past domestic abuse. Um, I currently counsel women now who've experienced abuse or are still in a situation and working out how they might leave that situation. And I run a 12-week program, which is called um, the Own My Life program. And this is both an online and a face-to-face um, program. And it's about women regaining ownership, um, having left an abusive relationship. So that's me in a nutshell. Amazing, amazing. And you're, you're definitely someone with your experience to be talking about a topic which needs to be discussed more because it's such an important topic that affects, unfortunately, so many people, but often doesn't get discussed enough. But from what I understand, um, the Ask for Annie campaign is also falls under the You Are Not Alone campaign. Um, I don't know how much you know about that, but it would be, be great if you could just kind of introduce what the broader campaign is all about. Sure. So the broader campaign is the hashtag you are not alone campaign. Um, but basically, as the whole country, the whole world knows, in, in April 2020, uh, there was a massive change um, for everybody. And the, the Home Office launched the hashtag you're not alone campaign in response to, you know, the rise in calls um, from domestic abuse victims during the beginning of lockdown uh, with, I guess, with all the restrictions and the social distancing measures, uh, the increased isolation and vulnerability um, of women who perhaps were already in a vulnerable situation and they were experiencing abuse. So with the introduction now of the third lockdown, which was January, was, was in January, there was still a need to kind of maintain a momentum and, you know, keep rising awareness um, for victims and, and their families and kind of challenging times and how they could also get some support and we could c- keep the discussions going. Um, so as lockdown lifts, we know that there's going to be for sure um, still women experiencing abuse um, who may now be in greater need 
having been in a prolonged situation um, in heightened abuse because of and as a result of the lockdown. So basically what the government did, alongside with the hashtag You Are Not Alone campaign, they launched the Arcs for Annie code word scheme. Uh, this was going to offer everybody who was experiencing abuse um, a means of accessing support in participating pharmacies. No, amazing. And of course, we're talking about the, the Arcs for Annie campaign. You've, you've, you've done a good job of introducing it. Is there, is there anything else about the Ask for Annie campaign in particular that we, that we should we should know about? Because, you know, you can tell a lot of thought and a lot of action, a lot of kind of awareness is going into it. So it'd be great if you can build upon that in any in any way. Sure. Yeah. So to, so to be a bit more specific, I know that you touched on it earlier in, in the podcast, Eddie, but the Arts for Annie is basically a domestic abuse um, code word scheme and it stands for action needed immediately. Often women are in situations where they need help right away, but they're unable to say, of course, out loud in front of their children or the perpetrator might well be with them. So it's very difficult for them to call, ask for help. So what the, um, the Annie does, action needed immediately. If you go into a pharmacy that's participating, you'll know that the pharmacy is participating because you'll, you, it will be displayed. There'll be a logo displayed uh, saying Arts for Annie, which is spelled A-N-I. So if someone goes into one of these pharmacies, whether they're with their children, a friend, family member, or even the perpetrator, they can simply say to the pharmacist, is Annie there or arts for Annie? The pharmacist will then know what that means because they've obviously agreed to participate and they will provide um, a space, a safe space for the woman and allow her to get some help uh, straight away and do that in, in a safe way. So that's that's the arts for, um, arts for Annie. So you can use that code word uh, with whoever you're with and because it sounds like an actual name then it makes it easier no it's a, it's a great campaign and it's really needed because yeah domestic abuse is something well I don't have to teach you how to, how to suck egg because you know all about domestic abuse and how kind of rife it is for for the benefit of those who because you know there are a lot of phrases where you hear something you but you've never really taken the time to understand, okay, sure. what is domestic abuse? And a lot of people probably think it's only one form when actually domestic abuse can take several forms. So it'll be great for you just to kind of give like a dummy's guide to what actually is domestic abuse. So 100%, 100%. And even um, not just people who haven't experienced domestic abuse, some people are currently experiencing it and they don't really know that it's that. It might seem a bit of a difficult concept to understand, but as you quite rightly said, people often think there's just one form. And when you think about abuse or violence, you often think about physical in, in whichever scenario you hear that. So when we say, are you experiencing domestic abuse or are you experiencing domestic violence? Often, um, if the victim is not being physically hit, they think, no, no, I'm, no, I'm not. But there are several different forms, and I'll just go, go through some of those. So the coercive controlling behaviour, talking you into things you don't want to do, persuading you to do things that you perhaps wouldn't have wanted to do. And then there's what we call gaslighting. Now, the gaslighting is a really difficult one because it's the way that the perpetrator uh, abuses the victim in a way that the victim then starts to question their own sanity. Like, is there something wrong with me, actually? And it's a very difficult one. Economic abuse is all about withholding of money, um, controlling of money. That's another one that people often don't, don't know about. There's even online abuse where, you know, you can have pictures posted up of you on online. Um, you can be trawled online. 
Then, of course, there's the threats and intimidations. If you don't, then this is what will happen to you. And the kind of look what you've made me do. Now I'm going to have to do this. Uh, Women who have insecure immigration status are often threatened with, well, if you don't do as I say, then you will lose the children because that's the law of this country. And so women are afraid to to report. Uh, The emotional abuse, which could be name calling, no one's interested in you, I'm the only person that wants you, you're not right in your head, all all that kind of thing. And then, of course, there's a sexual abuse where some time ago there was a sense that if you were married, uh, you had a duty to, you know, to be sexually intimate with your your spouse. Um, And so, therefore, women would be raped on a regular basis and not recognise that actually it is rape and think it was more of, of a duty. Women are sometimes threatened with, if you are not intimate with me, well, I'm going to go next door to your daughter's bedroom and I'm going to be intimate with her. Or there's videoing sexual activities or posting images on the internet. And I guess that's, you know, that's just some of them. So that's just to give you a sense. It's, yeah. What's really helpful with that, you know, I, as someone who would like to think I'm fairly intelligent, you know, you've 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 mentioned some stuff that's actually made me kind of re kind of reassess how broad the term domestic abuse is because there are def you know as you were saying certain things I've I've definitely looked back to situations where it's like I know of someone that does happen to or I know that and you you didn't put it in because I guess we're kind of tunnel vision to looking for the physical signs of abuse when the kind of not invisible or non visible signs can you know could could be even more damaged and even and could be even deeper even even more of a bruise so i really think i really appreciate that kind of the reframing of domestic abuse you just, talk- just to go ahead that, just to add to that Addy, is that um women are often told to call 999 uh but it's really difficult to call 999 and say actually my husband's name calling because it's not blue light flashing and the police probably aren't gonna more than likely they're not gonna come out for for that And then there's this thing around isolation, which is something that people don't even recognise is happening, where the partner starts saying, oh, why is your friend always coming round? Can't we have some time together? And before you know it, uh, you're isolated from your friends and family. That isn't something that would ring bells straight away as being abusive. So I just kind of wanted to add some of the more what might be seemed low level stuff. It's it's a great point. And I can imagine that being definitely a barrier for a lot of of women, a lot of people in, in particular, just because you know, if straight away, it's it's as hard as it is to even accept what's happening and then to call for help. And then with the real, real fear that it might not be taken seriously, that's, you know, that's a compounding assortment of reasons as to why you won't come forward. We've spoken about um, it briefly, but who can be impacted by domestic abuse? So basically, who can be impacted? Uh People have a perception about who that might be. But to be honest, the most prevalent um, types of abuse occurs in relationships. So intimate relationships, intimate partner relationships. However, though, domestic abuse also occurs between family members. So anyone can be a victim of domestic abuse. And that is regardless of your gender, your age, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, sexuality or background. And so the campaign basically uh, targets all victims of domestic abuse. Uh, They want friends and families and neighbours because they are a complete lifeline to victims of domestic abuse. 
And so the campaign, therefore, uh, targets members of the general public to encourage them to show their support uh, for those who are suffering or seeking advice around um, suspecting anyone who be experiencing domestic abuse. You touched on a great point, suspecting anyone that might be experiencing. What are the signs, Patricia, to look out for to kind of think, actually, hang on, that might be happening in this case? Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So um, there might be things like, let's go with the, probably the more obvious things. The more obvious things that people will be expecting to see are physical bruises. So, that, so you know, that, that's the first one. But um, perpetrators are often quite, um, quite uh, what's the word? Um, they, can, they can be a bit deceptive. So what they'll do yeah. is they will deliberately target areas on your body that wouldn't ordinarily be seen. That can be covered up. That can be covered up. So, for example, if it's really sunny, hot day, and you see somebody wearing a polo neck jumper or a long sleeve jumper or a scarf around their neck, it's quite possible that they could be could be hiding something. If your friend suddenly becomes a bit more isolated, you're not seeing them, they're not going out very much, they're not turning up to fam- family events, that there's, there's that. Um, if your friend suddenly goes from somebody um, or a family member from having money to just not having any money, never having any money, not being able to go out, can't pay their bills, falling into arrears. Um, if they're never really wanting to leave the house and they've stopped going to college or work and you're kind of calling over what's happening and they're suddenly saying, oh, actually, sorry, I couldn't make it. Think about what they're saying and think about what they're not saying. Um, if you notice that their social media is being monitored or there's lots of communication but the perpetrator might be, or the spouse might be kind of looking into that, or their messages and responses to information you're sending them seems a little bit unusual. Um, If they're not feeling like uh, their usual selves, you will notice a change in in their personality. Um, So just think about some of the things that you might see or things that change from uh, how things were beforehand. Those are the kind of things you can look at. Obvious ones are bruises. People's mood might change. They might end up in low mood. Yeah. They might start dressing in a very different way, a more sort of dowdy way, uh, bigger clothes that don't fit, hiding any kind of physical emphasis of their body. They might change the way their hair is, like completely from how how it used to be. Not speaking freely when you call them on the phone, etc. Yeah. Um. There, there are so yeah, many, so many. It's quite. Things. It's quite. It's quite a broad, and that's what I'm really enjoying about this conversation because it's just reshaping and getting people to actually consider a much broader um number of factors or 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 trends or or things that you might have just kind of shook off as oh she's having a bad day or oh they're just to actually there might be something much bigger going on and obviously I know you've been working in, in you know supporting victims for a number of years we know this campaign's going we talk about support and supporting victims, but what support is actually available? Okay, so I spent some time working in women's refuges. So that that's quite a, an extreme one, but sometimes women just have to flee the home that they're living in. And if they have children, they have to leave with their children. There are some cases where the women leave without their children because it's safer for them and for everybody to leave. So there are women, there's women's refuges. There are also um, advocacy organisations where um, you can find them probably by Women's Aid, where they offer advice and support. So they will help you to find housing and new accommodation. Uh, They'll help you to get to the hospital if that's what you need. Um, They'll help you to leave the home safely, 
perhaps might get the police to go with you to collect your belongings. If you've had to leave um, in a hurry, you might need to get your new documents. They'll help you to do that. Um, they'll advise you that if you are having uh, a situation where you're worried about the fact that you're receiving housing benefit for a property that you lived in, you can actually receive dual benefit for a period of time if you're going to be living somewhere else. They help to support women who don't have secure immigration status, who wouldn't have access to pub to public funds. Um, so we help to do that. And then, of course, there's there's counselling. Women need to be counselled through this. Um, there's support for, for children because children are actually quite seriously impacted by being witnesses um, of abuse. And then there's a programme that I run. So once a woman's left and she's trying to reset her life, how does she kind of do that? It's about working through, uh, working through her trauma and helping her to rebuild. And so this is done through the counselling sessions, but it's also done through uh, the 12-week programme because often people don't have a sense of what's actually really happened to them and they haven't understood the real depth, especially of the emotional, psychological aspects of it. They haven't understood the real depth so it's about unpacking what they've been through so that they can restart um, restart their lives. Having um, kind of peer support by meeting other women so that they understand that they're not alone in this new journey and that they weren't the only ones that experienced uh, what they experienced. So that's what we do. And also we put on uh, awareness um, advice sessions. I also do this uh, through my own radio station. So we have had women who've come on to talk about the experience and how they've now rebuilt their lives, which gives hope to somebody who's either just left a relationship or possibly thinking about about leaving. So yeah, so that's that's what we do. Thank you, Patricia. I've got two final but really important questions, and I'm just thinking about which one to ask first. In fact, I'll I'll ask this one first because the last one I, I think is a good one to end on and I, I'm looking forward to getting your your honest response it's great we're talking about this you're you know you're we're obviously two people who are passionate about this we're promoting a really worthwhile campaign but face it we know there are going to be some people who are like this is great but I'm scared I'm scared for my life I'm scared for my family it might be my my job security my financials I'm, I'm scared what can you say to those people in that situation the thing is, um, well, that's a great question, because often people say, why doesn't she leave? If we just go with the woman being the, the victim, they say, why doesn't she leave? What there isn't is there isn't an understanding that sometimes the women are more afraid of leaving than they are of staying. It's also important to note that um, women are at greater risk at the point of leaving the relationship. Domestic violence is all about power and control. So if a woman is planning on leaving and the perpetrator gets a sense of that, then they feel like they're losing the power and control. So they seek to regain it. And sometimes it's fatal. We, we need to be honest. Sometimes that has been fatal for women and children. But what we can say to somebody who's afraid is that there is the police. You can call the police. You can dial 999. If you're unable to speak, you can dial 555, double five, sorry, and the operator will know that you automatically want to get through to, to the police. So there is the police, that's kind of first and foremost. There is the advocacy organisations that will help you to work out a safety plan. So we don't advocate necessarily that a woman just gets up and leaves, unless she's already done that. 
But what we will do is talk her through how to do that safely. So things like if you're going to be leaving, don't suddenly take down the massive family portrait that's over the fireplace, but perhaps take the smaller print that you've got or just take a picture of it and keep it in your phone. Don't make it obvious. Think about where you're going to be going. Think of a place of safety. Um, Also think about what you need. So certain documents you need to take with you. And just to let the woman know that there is support and there are safe houses. Safe houses are refuges. Uh, You're often placed out of the area. Not always a great thing because, you know, you've built up your support network in a particular area, but you might actually be happy to move to another area. And just also to say to them that there are several women who have left, who have done so safely and who has gone on uh, to live um, a different life. But to acknowledge their fear because it's real definitely acknowledge it I understand that that's difficult for you um don't say you understand if you don't I know what you're going through if you don't because you haven't been but you can say well, I can hear that you're saying that you're afraid I can hear that you're worried and you want to so acknowledge what what they're saying and just try and reassure them that there is some help that's what I'd say without being sound patronizing that's really useful advice because it's very easy for for me to kind of to to just kind of you know, oh, you can, you can, you know, reel off a bunch of things and you can say it without actually putting myself in the, in the shoes of how difficult it can be. And I think you really kind of highlighted the fact of, yes, it's hard. And yes, you know, you may want to do it, but it may be difficult for different reasons. So I think just kind of packaging it up in a way where people can actually see, you know, what if you were to actually decide to leave, here are a few kind of key takeaways. So I think that's really, really insightful. Um, Patricia, we spoke just before we started recording and you use one of my favorite frame phrases, which is you know, I'm unapologetically black. I am I'm I'm African. You both of us clearly embrace that. Now, the black community, that that phrase I have a love and hate relationship with because I'm very much proud to be part of, you know, anyone who identifies as being black. That's, you know, my brothers and sisters. But at the same time, I feel that sometimes describing us as a monolith is less than helpful. And do you know what I mean? It, it kind of, yeah, we can, yeah. we can overlook all of the kind of the diff, the nuances, the, 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 the great unique points of, 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 of the different people that make up the black community. But for argument's sake, let's refer to the black community because we understand what we're talking about. Why is it so important that people like me, people like you and the black community as a whole are talking about domestic abuse? And I'm talking purely about black people. Okay, so yeah, so my term was I'm unapologetically an African woman. Yeah, so thank you for that. So the reason it's important, it's because it's one of those things that's a taboo topic. Um, It isn't something that's discussed openly. It's also because uh, domestic violence impacts us differently as a race of people. When we go for housing, we're often given the poorer poorer options for for housing. When... um, we call the police, the police are often more interested in whether the perpetrator has um, a call out, is wanted for any kind of criminal activity. They're not really, really interested in, in, in what's happening at home. The other thing is that for, for black women, there is this perception that we are the strong black women. We're strong black women, we're queens, we're warrior fighters. And so therefore, we should be able to cope. And we don't want to say, uh, you know, we're not being treated rightly, because you might feel like a weaker person. 
And so we stay trying to make it make it work. There's already an expectation that uh, African families don't have two parent households. So there's an expectation that we will be single parent mothers and that the fathers will be absent. And so sometimes we stay because we, we want to change that that narrative. So there are a number of things that impact us just before we even get to the fact that we're being abused. Where you know there's there's discrimination in so many of the institutions that we would be going to. So we're going into an institution such as the police where we don't have um, a great sense of trust with the work that they do in relation to us. So we're described as the hard to reach community. They can't find us, but actually we're disproportionately represented when it comes to crime and other and other situations. But yet they can't find us. So there is that reluctance, and also I guess some of our um, families, you know, our elders might say, "Come on, you know, let's work this out," and you know, you go back and let's talk about it together, and you know, kind of let's keep it going. And then also, unfortunately, uh, people need to be a bit more accountable, and I say that without apology because sometimes, um, as a people, we kind of want to talk as if it's not it's, it's not happening. Or that doesn't happen in, in, in our community, but it but it absolutely does. So it's super important for us to have an understanding, for us to have an awareness, for us to have a place to talk about it, but to understand also why it's difficult and different for us. Yeah, great, great answers. And I agree. I agree. It's, you know, I, I know you also do in, in, in your talk shows that, you know, you've tried to champion the conversation that don't get discussed enough. That's definitely something that's at the heart of why I do what I do. And, you know, I think this conversation is a testimony to that. Just to summarise for people who are listening, you know, if if you or anyone you're worried about is experiencing domestic abuse, you can find support at gov.uk forward slash domestic hyphen abuse or by calling the free phone 24-hour national domestic abuse helpline provided by Refuge for Victims. You can also search the domestic abuse helpline or call 0808-2247. And even if you don't have permanent right to stay in the UK or you're not a British, British citizenship, you can still get help. And of course, you can ask for Annie in all of the participating pharmacies. So I just wanted to land in those points. But Patricia, thank you so much for, for coming on and just kind of sharing, yeah, sharing sharing your piece and being unapologetically African and um, just just true. And, and I can only commend you and in, in, encourage you to keep up the good work that you're doing. It's, please use this time to kind of let the listeners know about anything you'd like them to know about. It's just really say thank you so much, Edit. It's been amazing having this conversation. I love the opportunity uh, that's been given to talk about it, especially from the perspective of, you know, people from the African diaspora, because that is really uh, something that's heartfelt for me and something that I strive to make a difference to. Um, so that that's the first thing. And just to say, uh, check me out on the Chalk Hill Community Radio Station dot com. And it is the Let's Talk show. You can find me on YouTube at Patricia Talks or on BWTM online. So thank you very much. That's great. And I'll make sure all of your um, social information, everything you just said, I'll put that in the description box so people can click on and, and check you out. So yeah, thank you very much again. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to further conversations with you. A fantastic. And keep up the good work, young man. I, I like that. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
Advice Podcast. Thank you once again, Patricia, for joining me on the show to discuss a very important topic and the Ask for Annie initiative. I'm sure you guys will agree that was very insightful and hopefully, you know, that information can get to the right people. So please do your part, share the episode, share the campaign. Let's just make sure that people aren't suffering in silence. We have to celebrate. And this week we are celebrating England's football team. I don't care that we didn't win it. We got further than most of us. Probably, if I'm honest, myself at the start of the of the tournament thought we'd ever be able to get. You know, we're not. I'm, we're millennials, or, or the majority of you listening to this are millennials. We're not used to seeing England get to finals. We're used to having all the hype and none of the delivery. But this year, like the guys, really, really made made the nation far. This is the first time, you know we got to a major final for the first time since 1966. Like we've grown up knowing that 66 England won the World Cup. And to be honest, we haven't, <laughs> they haven't rested talking about it since. So it was great for us to kind of be able to experience that. And I, for one, made a real day out of it. Like at first I had brunch um, and then we went, me and my partner and some friends, we went to a pub and watched it on a massive projector. Like it was great. It was a great vibe. And one thing I want to celebrate in particular is the diversity of that English football team. Now, you guys might have seen the infographic flying around of what the English football team would look like without a diversity, and basically it would be a mess. There were holes, there were holes everywhere. Like everyone, even Harry Kane, I believe, has got you know an Irish grandparent. Like it just showed in terms of the importance of having a kind of diverse team. And honestly, the young black lions, oh my gosh, they done us so proud. Everyone from the likes of Saka, Sancho, Rashford, you've got Walker, you've got Trippier, you know, I'm probably for Sterling. How dare I almost forget Sterling? Man, you know what I mean? We've got, we've got ballers and big up Sterling because he literally carried England, in my opinion. Without Sterling, we wouldn't have even got to as far as we got. So big up Sterling. But it was just an incredibly proud team in the sense of it. It was a team that was from all over the UK. And for me, it really represented what England is all about despite the the negatives and, to, and despite the sad things that also go along with it I really appreciated the response the England football team took as a collective to respond against the boos that were aimed at them when they were taking the knee as a Black Lives Matter awareness statement now me personally I don't believe the knee does anything I don't believe it's I don't believe it's creating enough dialogue that I would like. However, I fully support the team in doing that and I commend them for 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 take for for choosing to go about raising awareness in this way. I still respect the the ethos and the thought behind it. And you know, whether you you love him or, or loathe him, Southgate, like as a as a player to have, you know. I won't say cost England, but to miss a penalty and to have that kind of lingering over you, to then have the chance of redemption. And even though he didn't fully redeem himself by obviously because we didn't win, I think, you know, credit to him because, you know, he was able to make the right decisions. Yes, a lot of things happened in his favour. A lot of people say we were fluky, we're lucky. Some people even <laughs> want to suggest that it was rigged because of the fact of how many matches we played at home. But whatever you say, you have to give him some credit. You have to give him some credit. And... What I find really, really worth celebrating is the fact that 
you know, this England team and this football team changed a lot of first generation ethnic British, for want of a better phrase, like, you know, the blacks, Asians and everything in between. Those who of us who our parents were British, but they, they weren't born here or they're not British or they live here and we were born here. Like we've grown up associating the St. George's flag, the flag that, you know, represents our nation as something that's quite divisive. You see it as something that's worn by the far right. You see it as anti-immigration sentiment. Basically, and if you live in South London, you associate with like, you know, the, the NFs and the, the Skinners and the people that would really cause you some harm, especially growing up in the, you know, the 90s, 80s and, and, and before. So, you know, just to kind of see so many people, you know, feeling prideful about having a St. George's flag associated with them, wearing the kit, for me, that's something that's amazing. And, you know, that kind of ability to make a whole generation feel proud and feel like we belong, that's what the spirit's all about. But I would be amiss to kind of go without even mentioning the fact that as suspected and as predicted, as England, as you know, didn't win a penalty shootout and unfortunately... The, the penalty takers that missed the shootout all happened to be the young black kings that helped us get that far. A lot of ignorant, stupid, abhorrent, just horrible, vile people, the worst in our society, within minutes flooded those players' social media with just racist, racist kind of trolls, basic trolling and just telling them to like, go back to Nigeria, calling them the N-word, all types of un-nice un stuff that makes it really hard, like I said, for, for me and other people to associate with the country because it's like, when you see the horrible abuse that they gave a 19-year-old Saka, a, one of our best players who can literally play anywhere along that flank, like he's such a good player, and for them to literally reduce him to tears, well, not because, no, they didn't reduce him to tears. He was in tears because he missed the penalty. But for them to kind of see that, see all of that passion from one of the nicest lads in football and decide, you know what, I'm going to abuse a 19-year-old player who just happens to be black and who's chosen to represent the country of his birth, man, it just goes to say why a lot of people feel like England do not deserve to win anything. We don't deserve that team. And I think it's absolutely disgusting. And I have so much pride and so much respect and so much um just I'm just thankful to everyone who stepped up and took a penalty because it can't be easy and for those of you who don't know normally what happens with penalties it's about who's confident so it's not just about who's your, who normally takes penalties it's who's confident and then the manager decides who the order in which they take them to who starts and who doesn't so a lot of people are kind of you know criticizing Southgate's choice of who goes first. I'm not into that. You know, I can leave that to the timeline warriors to kind of argue about we're celebrating the England football team and I think it's something to be proud of. So I'm going to pop the champagne for, for the England football team and the, and the non-alcoholic one for those who don't drink. Let's pop that champagne uh, and let's celebrate our guys and you've made me and you've made, you've made millions of people very, very proud to, you know, to, to proud of England and, and proud proud to be British. On another topic, we definitely should talk about, you know, do we feel English? Because that's something that kind of really ties into this topic. And I just feel like 
like even saying that, I, I don't know if I can still say that. I, I definitely feel British and I'm proud to to live in England and be born in England. But yeah, that's a that's a definitely a future topic for another podcast. Pick of the week. Now, this week's pick of the week is something that I've been enjoying. It's a it's a TV show. It's a show. For those of you who know me, like true crime is my my shit. That's the thing I enjoy. Anything that's got a bit of suspense, drama, and also you know you know ties back to historical events. That's a bit of me. And this week's pick of the week is a show that's actually streaming on BBC iPlayer and Netflix, which is interesting. Um, called The Serpent. So The Serpent is set in the in the 1970s um, and it's filmed in Bangkok and it follows the story of Charles Sabraj, who was a French serial killer of Indian and Vietnamese descent. And this guy drugs and robbed travellers, particularly young backpackers who were travelling through, through Bangkok. He steals victims' passports and identities to travel the world and then he, he essentially steals stolen gems of his, his French-Canadian girlfriend you know, he's at the height of his crimes when a Dutch diplomat, Herman Nipperberg, begins investigating the murders of Dutch tourists and uncovers clues leading to surprise. So he, in in kind of looking into what happened to his two Dutch, as he refers to them, he then realises that there's somebody who's at the heart of this and it goes much bigger than just him. It's like set across eight episodes. It's a really, really, really good watch and I encourage everyone to do so. So this week's pick of the week is... The serpent, so please go and check that out. Look at that, we've come to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for checking us, checking the podcast out. Coming up in the next episode, I am going to be talking very openly and very passionately about therapy. I'm going to try and get a guest for that one as well and have a quite an open dialogue. But yeah, make sure you look after yourself. I know without the Euros, what are we going to watch? We have to focus on. Love Island, which has been dreadful this year, but it is what it is. Continue to stay safe, continue to stay blessed. Let me know what you thought of this podcast. Obviously, it's the first one I'm doing by myself. So, you know, drop a comment, leave a review. Just do anything to let me know that you're still here effing with me and my time is not in vain. But until the next time, peace. Advice Podcast. Do you feel controlled, belittled or isolated by a partner or family member? This is domestic abuse and it is never your fault. Help is always available and you are not alone. You do not deserve abuse. You deserve support. If you are experiencing domestic abuse, ask for Annie in pharmacies, showing the Ask for Annie logo to get immediate help to call the police or support services. For free helpline support and advice, visit gov.uk forward slash domestic hyphen abuse.